0: We are just, <laughs> uh, it is absolutely brilliant uh, to be here with you in person. Um, I think the last time it was online, but it was a day like, a, bit, a bit like today. In fact, every time I come down here, it's always like this. Uh, I, I rarely see Ayrshire in the rain. Um, I don't know if that happens or not. It's, again, it's, it's a privilege for us to be able to gather together um, as the body of Christ in the flesh, uh, and it's a, we, we love coming down, uh, and it's, it's something we really look forward to uh, each year. If I could just add another event, possi- if anyone's free tomorrow, bitlastminute.com, if you happen to be free tomorrow, there's actually a, uh, very similar to what The Glow runs, uh, there's actually an event tomorrow uh, in Cornhill, Scotland, they're running an event tomorrow, which is called A Book in a Day, uh, so they're actually running a day on First and Second Kings. Uh, Andrew, a guy called Andrew Sachs, is coming up from London, uh, and he's going to be, a, yeah, he's going to be teaching the entire First and Second Kings uh, in one go. Uh, they had an event a wee while back on Matthew in a day, which was amazing. Uh, so if you happen to be free tomorrow, you could book it online today uh, and uh, get along to that. Uh, amazingly, my boss. Actually, gave me permission to go, <laughs> even though it's not really anything to do with school education. But, but if you don't ask, you don't get. So uh, if you happen to be free, uh, I'd highly recommend it. It's, it's for anyone who's interested in teaching the Old Testament or even understanding Old Testament and art if a little bit better. It's sure to be uh, a great day out up in the This morning, uh, we're going to look in Matthew. So if you happen to have your Bibles, uh, if you could turn to Matthew 13. It's only a few verses we're going to look at. Verses 44 to 46. And just before we read it, Jesus has been teaching in this section. He's been teaching in parables, and he's been teaching an awful lot about things being found or things that are lost. I thought it was interesting as we sung that last uh, hymn at greats, hymn it is well with my soul. You know, those are the words of a man who lost nearly everything. Yet he realized he had found something greater than everything he'd possibly lost. Uh, and that's what uh, we're going to think about this morning. So Jesus says these words. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure In 1947, uh, a shepherd, assuming he was out with his sheep, accidentally discovered some scrolls in a cave, which turned out to be one of the greatest archaeological discoveries of the 20th century. He'd stumbled upon the Dead Sea Scrolls. In 1928, a Darvel boy who went on to be a doctor and a researcher went on holiday, and when he returned, he discovered... Mould growing in a Petri dish, which turned out to be one of the greatest medical discoveries of the 20th century. Antibiotics. An accidental discovery. Or perhaps you know what it is to deliberately search for something. You know, we we now have the luxury, we can go online, we want a new TV, so we can search through all the different reviews, reviews, you know, people write, give them star ratings, and we can decide, well, which model do we want, what size do we want, before we make our decision. We can do a, a search, a deliberate search. Or perhaps, maybe more for the men, perhaps you, like me, one day, a wee while ago, in my case, about 17 years ago, found yourself in the Argyle Arcade in Glasgow, surrounded by jewelry shops, looking for that one ring, the perfect ring, or perhaps you're not quite old enough for that and you maybe one day find yourself there. But in our Bible reading this morning, Jesus is speaking and he's, he's using parables stories with key meanings to explain what the kingdom of heaven is like. And he's going to show us this morning that the kingdom of heaven is something which can be discovered. It's something that we can find. Uh, But before we go any further, we need to ask the question, well, what is is the kingdom of heaven? Well, in Psalm 103, uh, 19, it says, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. So the kingdom of heaven is God's rule or reign. It's it's where, it's the place where he brings all his plans and all his purposes together. Together and he brings them to pass. And as John Piper says, since one of God's purposes for the world is to save a people for himself, therefore the kingdom of heaven under the rule of God is where salvation and redemption can be found. It's not a burden to live under the rule of the king. Now we sometimes have a tendency to resist or dislike the idea of rules and authority. You might remember as a child, or perhaps <laughs> not so much as a child, uh, you know, you've kind of felt the rules of your parents spoiled your fun. You just couldn't see the point. That Everybody else is doing it, it was my reasoning. Or perhaps as adults, or maybe even when we were younger, we had some bad experiences where authority has been misused, causing harm. I've recently been reading about the experiences of Christians living in Eastern Europe during the Soviet era, what was a a totalitarian state, and how these Christians today, or these people who were living at that time, who now, many of live, them now live in the West, are still cautious. Understandably cautious when it comes to government authority. They had such a horrendous experience. But the kingdom of heaven, uh, the rule of God is not like that. Let's look at how Jesus describes it this morning. Uh, to us, uh, in this in these short verses, the first thing Jesus tells us is the kingdom of heaven is a prize. It's a prize. It's a great treasure. We have a man, and he's in the field. He may be ploughing, he's sowing, but he finds a great treasure. Or he says it's a it's a jewel. It's a pearl, a priceless pearl that a man who's out looking. That merch through various merchandise, and he comes across this. And it's something which invokes joy and wonder. To discover this, to discover this great prize, is to have your life utterly transformed and utterly reordered. It's the retuning of your life to ultimate reality. I don't know if, if anyone remembers having to tune an old TV. I, maybe just in Northern Ireland where we are a bit more technologically advanced here in Scotland. Uh, I remember tuning TVs. Uh, my grandparents had a TV and it, it must have been one of the original TVs. Uh, no remote control, no digital. You had to tune it by hand. Twiddling these little knobs and the picture would come in and then it would go again and then it was even worse if you had an internal portable aerial and you'd have somebody and you'd move them around the room right stop there don't move and they're hanging maybe out the window trying to get the picture remember this maybe some of the younger folk were going what on earth is he talking about but that's what it was like But to discover the kingdom of heaven is not like that. To discover the kingdom of heaven is to actually, it's there. It's in full HD. There's no tuning required. Upon the discovery, it's bang, you've got it. It's vivid. It transforms your life. To discover the kingdom of heaven is to find and know the presence of the King. And that's why it's such a prize. And that's why it's such good news. Mark's gospel it says this in Mark chapter 1, uh, verses 14 and 15. It says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came to Ga- into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God, which is Mark's way of saying the kingdom of heaven, is at hand repent and believe in the gospel you see the good news the gospel is the good news about God God is the good news he is the gospel and Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven it's near it it can be found he's telling the people this 2000 years ago, but his word stands today. The kingdom of heaven is near, it's discoverable. He says, Repent, turn your life around, point yourself towards the kingdom of heaven, not away from it. Reorientate yourself towards God and not towards the world. It's a great prize. It's a priceless prize. Second thing we discover in our passage that the kingdom of heaven comes at a price. It comes at a cost. There's a, there's a price to pay. The rule of God uh, will not share your heart with anyone or anything else. Everything else has to go. You're the men in the parable. It says they they sold all that they had. They would have nothing else ruling their life apart from God. Don Carson said that when the man buys the field, at such sacrifice he possesses far more than the price paid. The kingdom of heaven is worth infinitely more than the cost of discipleship. And those who know where the treasure lies joyfully abandon everything else. Secure it. So, what are we to do? Should we sell all our belongings, give up our friendships and our families, and go and live in a cave somewhere? Perhaps it's not quite as drastic as all that. But there are things that have to go, there are things that have to be got rid of, given up. As a student, I played, I played rugby, uh, but I very quickly realised, well perhaps not quickly enough, that the rugby social scene uh, was not particularly good for me. Uh, they were my friends, they were my teammates, but if any of you have any experiences of rugby clubs, I'm sure football clubs probably aren't much better, uh, then the social scene can get a little bit wild uh, and out of hand. And for me, there was a realization, again, not fast enough, but that was something that I had to give up for a while. But perhaps, if it's not always about giving stuff up, it's maybe more about just reordering. Or priori- how we pr- reordering how we prioritize things in our life. It's perhaps more about holding loosely, to important things, but never letting them become the main thing. It might, be, it might be our job. It could be our status, our reputation, our social media credentials, our popularity, our possessions. It can even be our marriage and our family. And as we're still pretty close to the start of the year, I think we're still in the period where you can wish somebody a happy new year we were discussing this as we came in at what points the cut off you know but as we're near the start of the year it's often a good time to reflect and to ask the question what are the rivals to the throne of your heart who or what am i or are you tempted to elevate above the rule and reign of the true king What do we need to loosen our grip on? It's a scary challenge. It's not an easy thing to do. In fact, it can be downright painful. But in the passage, what we see for these men is that this is the pathway to true and lasting joy. Something which is permanent. It's the sort of joy that allows you to say, Regardless of what is going on in your circumstances, in your life, regardless of tragedy, you can still say, it is well with my soul. Thirdly, so we've had the prize, the price, and now the promise. In both of these parables, hidden treasure and the pearl of great value, there is a certainty, and the certainty is this: the kingdom of heaven will be found. It will be found. Two Two different categories of people. In the one hand, we've got the merchant who's looking for the pearl. He's actively seeking. And there are those who will be actively seeking the kingdom of heaven. They are perhaps looking around the world they're looking at different religions different philosophies different belief systems, and the spirit of god is at work in their heart giving them a sense that something's missing something's not right they have a longing a hunger a thirst for meaning for purpose that might be you or I suspect in a group this size that might have been you. At some point that was the position you found yourself in. You were actively searching for something to satisfy your life and your soul. And then someone came along and showed you the gospel. They showed you Jesus. They showed you, it might have been your parents, it might have been someone in church, it could have been a friend, but somebody pointed you to the treasure. Look, there it is. Go and get it. And you've never looked back. Others will find it even when they're not really looking for it. The man in man in in the field, he finds this treasure by accident. And he, he buries it again, and then he, he goes and buys the entire field. Because under the law at that time, actually he found it in the field that belonged to his employer. Whoever owns the land. And he goes and buys the field, and now put the, the land, now it belongs to him. But he, was, he wasn't looking for it. We, we might say, well, oh, it seems random. But with God, nothing's random. No such thing. Because you see, more often than not, seemingly out of the blue discoveries where people find God, they they hear the gospel, they come into the kingdom, have often been preceded by encounters with Christians, Christians who are the inhabitants of the kingdom. So say to Christians, do not underestimate God's ability to use the witness of your life in a way that you may never see or in a way that really surprises you. I think it's a comfort, especially to those uh, who, who teach God's word or do the word of evangelism. Yeah, I don't know about, I've sometimes sat, maybe been in church and we've got a friend with us who's, who's not a Christian and the you know, person at the front absolutely knocks it out of the park in terms of a, an evangelistic message. You're like, oh, they're, they're bound to become a Christian now. Like, I almost want to get saved again myself. That was so good. But then you'll hear another story of someone where the preacher's had a nightmare. Okay, their notes have fallen apart. They've had an absolute dreadful time. Okay, their voice has gone away or whatever. And three people get saved. <laughs> it's like, God, how do you work? It seems random, but God is at work. He's creating a people for Himself. It's those who encounter the great treasure of the gospel of God, the joy of the everlasting presence of the King. Now, it's possible to go away this morning and think, well, I am going to have to put a shift in. I'm really going to have to sort my life out if I'm ever to afford to buy such a great treasure. In the parable, these two men, they sell all they have to obtain the treasure, to obtain the prize. The reality is, we can never afford it. All our possessions, are worthless in comparison to the prize of the kingdom. Even our best actions are spoiled and tainted by sin. But here is the beautiful part of the gospel. When you discover the treasure, what you will find is that it has already been paid for. And the joy of living in the kingdom can be yours the writer to the Hebrews in chapter 12 verse 2 says this looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God you see Jesus gave all that he had to show the immeasurable value of the kingdom of heaven and having shown us the value of the kingdom he then pays the price himself he is of infinite worth therefore he can pay the infinite price for what purpose for his joy which is totally tied up in our joy jeremiah says this you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so the question this morning I leave is this. Have you found it yet? Have you found the kingdom of heaven? Have you found the treasure? Is it yours? Let me pray for us. Our heavenly Father, you tell us that If we seek you, if we search after you with all our hearts, that you will be found. You have given us such a prize. You have given us such good news. You have shown us the pathway to everlasting joy, everlasting life, and eternity in the presence of the King. Father, would you open hearts? Would you give us new minds to see and to know and to wonder uh, at the amazing gift you've offered us? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.